Well, we actually have some news and notes to talk about out of Tigersville, so we will certainly discuss those at the beginning of the show, and then we will break down Andre Lipsius and Nick Maton, all today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Friday, October 20th, 2023. Thank you so much for making Locked On Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. All right, we're going to start off by talking about some news and notes out of Tigersville, out of the Tigers organization. I said Tigersville twice. That's really weird, and I don't think anyone has ever called it that. But we are going to discuss a couple of things that have happened in the Tigers organization over the last couple of days. And then we will get into Andre Lipsius and Nick Maton's player breakdowns. Uh, you know, two guys, I'm not going to call their 2023s fascinating. Okay, I'm not going to do it. However... Both of them did things for good or bad in 2023 that made their discussions about what to do with them this winter. And then obviously in 2024, I think pretty interesting. So we will certainly get to those later on in the show. But we're going to start off by talking about two things here that have happened in the Tigers organization the last couple of days. One is Zach McKinstry was nominated for the Utility Player Gold Glove Award. A, I love the fact that they have the Utility Player Gold Glove Award just because that's becoming more and more common in our beautiful sport. Uh, but also, I, it's just something that probably always should have been there, right? Like, that's that's just uh, – uh, it's a cool – I don't even think it's that niche. Like, it's just uh, – I think that's cool to recognize the people that – are versatile and play multiple positions and have an award for that. Maybe they don't log enough time at one specific position to uh, be nominated for that specific one. So Zach McKinstry throwing his hat in the ring there and uh, and is nominated for a utility player gold glove. Uh, you know, it's not, I'm just glad he got the shout out. I, I, I don't really anticipate him to win. If he does, that's awesome. We'll certainly celebrate and talk about that. Uh, but I don't really anticipate him winning. Like, Jonathan Scope last year, right, 2022, not 2023, Jonathan Scope 2022 was a, a really wild case because he could not hit at all, unfortunately. He, he was one of, he might have been the worst qualified hitter in the game of baseball in 2022, if I remember right. He was certainly close if he wasn't. And on the flip side of that, he had crazy good defensive metrics and we were pounding our fists on the table on this show for even in the middle of the season like this dude should win the gold glove at second base he should win the gold glove at second base and obviously that ended up not happening he got nominated and didn't win but you know th this one isn't I'm, again I wasn't even anticipating him to really get nominated so the fact that he is I think is is awesome he also very much deserves it. This isn't a surprise because he doesn't deserve the nod. He absolutely does. We talked about it on his deep dive. What was that, a week ago now? Maybe even a little bit longer. Uh, he was a, what, plus four, plus five OAA and played four or five, five different positions over the course of the season. 
very much deserved, really fits the bill of utility gold glove. kind of Like that's really his, his specialty is going to give you some pretty good base running, but mostly uh, he is going to play plus defense at a lot of different positions. So tip of the cap to Zach McKinstry. We'll keep an eye on that and see if he wins the award, uh, but he has been nominated for a utility player gold glove award, which I think is pretty cool. And then the next topic to talk about is not nearly as fun. Uh, the Detroit Tigers Dominican Republic Academy was robbed at gunpoint uh, two days ago as you're listening to this. Well, I guess maybe even three days ago as you're listening to this. But, I mean, scary stuff, obviously. And, and this is no longer is this just a Tigers issue is really the only thing that I have to say about it. Uh, this is now, and Evan Petzold of the Freep did a phenomenal reporting, did a phenomenal breakdown and, uh, and wrote an article about this entire situation. So go check that out for sure. But, uh, this is now 16 at the time of this recording, 16 of 30 major league teams have had their academies robbed at, at gunpoint now, like that's, that's a staggering amount. And I don't believe anyone's been severely hurt yet in the Tigers situation, at least. Uh, I know for a fact that no one was like harmed or anything, Uh, but clearly this is now a league-wide issue. This is over half of the league has had this happen to them. It just happened to the Cardinals last week, Uh, the Guardians and Marlins, not too much before the Cardinals. Like this is almost becoming a weekly occurrence for these academies and um, like I said, Evan Petzl did a great job. Uh, Hector Gomez has done a lot of reporting and covering on the situation. Uh, so be sure to check him out as well if you want to be more informed in this. But yeah, just uh, really, I don't have too much else to add. I, I don't certainly am not going to come on here and tell you that I have like a solution to this or anything. I, I don't know the ins and outs of the situation, but it's something that happened in the Tigers organization. Some players were in the building while it happened. Like that's a scary thing. So I uh, just wanted to to bring that up and acknowledge it and talk about, again, the, the league wide effects that this is happening, not that this is affecting rather, not just that this is, Oh, like the, the, this something bad happened to the Tigers. No, this is, this is a large majority of, uh, of the league at this point. And that's scary stuff that that shouldn't be happening if we can avoid it. So hopefully something will be done by whether it's baseball or the teams or the owners, whoever has to inflict change to uh, to prevent this from happening going forward. Hopefully that does happen because, like I said, pretty scary stuff. Uh, Okay, let's get into our player breakdowns, shall we? Our deep dives, is that what we're calling them? Let's talk about Andre Lipsius and Nick Maton. Okay, like I said, not the most fascinating 2023s for either of them, but did something, whether it's good or bad or somewhere in between, to make the conversation about what to do with them in the future rather interesting. So let's talk about that right after I tell y'all about our friends over at Jace Medical. There's a lot of uncertainty in the world today, and it's important to be prepared. The Jace case is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that treat the most common and deadly bacterial infections. You can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your unique needs. 
Jace Medical now offers custom custom <laughs> customization for your Jace case with dozens of add-on medications. Choose the medications that best fit you and your family's unique needs. Uh, you can also buy a gift card for your family or your loved ones so that they can get a Jace case of their own whenever they need. So go to jacemedical.com and enter promo code locked on at checkout for a $20 discount on your order. That's promo code locked on at jascmedical.com. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Segment two of Locked On Tigers. I appreciate y'all for tuning in. Making us your first listen every single day. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We'll be back on Monday. And Monday's episode will, in fact, be our mailbag. So we're going to give you the whole weekend here to to ask some questions. You can ask them via Twitter. If you want to DM me, you can ask them via just like tweeting at me or posting on X, whatever it's called now. Uh, You can just at me in that. And, and throw it out to the world. You can comment on YouTube. Any questions there, I will see. Uh, as long as I have the ability to see it, I will try to answer it and get through as many as we can on Monday's show. And if we have a ton of questions, then maybe we'll even take Monday and Tuesday to go through and answer as many questions as we can. Okay, so that'll be Monday's show. So be sure to get your questions in over the weekend. I record on Sunday afternoon. So anything after Sunday afternoon will not be... Uh, answered. So let's talk about Andre Lipsius and Nick Maton, shall we? We're going to start with Andre Lipsius. You know, the profile here is something that I had been a fan of when he was in the minors, right? And when he was in double A, was it last year? He was walking. It was 2022. He was walking more than he was striking out over like a huge sample size, like over the course of the whole season. He was walking more than he was striking out. I loved him because of that. Um, As you all know, a massive fan of people that can draw walks. Talk about that a little bit more with Nick Maton, honestly, as well. Uh, But his final stats in 2023, Lipsius, and only 13 games played, He had a 286 average, a 342 OBP, a 400 slug, and a negative 0.2 F4. He was a pretty significant minus defender in in his short stint in the majors. Walked at an 8% clip and struck out at a 21% clip. So those numbers are very far from bad. Those are fine. The concerns that I have with Lipsius at the next level is just, and in the minors, he raised the slugging percentage a little bit as the season went along. It was something that the organization wanted him to improve, and he was able to to do that at the minor league level. At the major league level, when he steps into the batter's box and he swings, I just see no power coming from his swing. And is that developable? Yes. Is that something he can make adjustments on and 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 correct and fix going down the road? Absolutely. But as it stands right now, he's 25 years old, was a third-round pick back in 2019. He doesn't really have a set position defensively. When he did play in the defense, he was negative 5 OAA in 13 games, which is remarkable that it was that severely negative and that short of an amount of time. So 
was not a very good defender at pretty much majority third base. I think he got maybe a couple of reps at second as well. But um, he, he, uh, uh, a guy who can play multiple positions is great, but if you don't play any of them even halfway decently, then then there's really the value of being able to play multiple positions goes away. Uh, he was in the eighth percentile in sprint speed, so certainly it's not going to help you on the base paths either. And in the batter's box, like all of my concerns just on eye test about like I just feel like he's not getting any power into the ball like ever was really reflected in a lot of data. Uh, he had the home run, and then besides that, it was all singles, and then he had one double, but it was hit down the first baseline and bounced like in the dirt, and then just went to the corner and he was able to get to second. He did not drive a ball besides the home run in his entire, again, it's 13 games, okay? I'm not saying that if he played a full season, he, you know, he'd have like a 250 slug. I'm not trying to, to, to say that he has absolutely zero power. He did homer in 13 games, but the hard hit rate was remarkably low. Like if it was prorated over the course of a full season, would have been in, in the single digit percentile in the league. Sweet spot percentage, same thing. Barrel rate, under fifth percentile. Average exit velocity was 87 miles an hour. That's very low. Uh, expected slug was 356. His actual slug was 400. His expected slug, based on how hard he hits the ball, was 356. That is that is very, very little power if that was a, a guy who was playing a full season. So I'm not just like giving up on him. I'm not saying that he can never be anything, okay? Not what I'm saying. All I am saying is that in the short sample size we saw at the major league level, objectively, there was zero pop in his bat. And in AAA, before he got called up, he went on a tear, and that's what led to the call-up. He went on a, a power streak in AAA before the call-up. So it is possible for him to make those adjustments, and, and I hope that he is able to. Uh, but as it stands right now, when looking at the future, okay, when talking about what Lipsius, what his role is going to be on this team going forward, are you penciling him in at any of the starting positions on opening day next year? I am certainly not. I would imagine that most people are in a similar boat there. Okay. Now, we have plenty of these utility, can play multiple position type of players. We have like 37 on our roster. Obviously, not all of those dudes are going to make it through the winter. We have to have that conversation at some point as well. I'm sure that that'll be asked in the mailbag, honestly, uh, as well. So we have plenty of guys who fit that, you know, versatile play multiple positions role. Can he fit into that going forward? Maybe, but a lot of things need to, to be adjusted on. One, again, I'll reiterate what I said earlier. It doesn't matter if you can play multiple positions if you don't play any of them well. That you, the, the value of being versatile goes out the window if you're a significant negative at all the positions you play. Okay, so he needs to find at least one position where he's semi-comfortable and where the, the numbers are going to look somewhat decent on the defensive side of the ball. Whether that's second, whether that's third, whether that's left field, I don't really care. But you need to have at least one of those. And we have yet to see that even in the minors. He wasn't like a big-time plus defender. I think by the end, most people were a lot more 
confident in his defensive abilities like right before he got called up than they were going into 2023 or that they were at the end of 2022. Um, but that's not a big enough jump to, again, like in the majors, objectively, he struggled in the field. So need to correct that. And then obviously, I'm just reiterating myself at this point all around, but need to be able to prove that you can hit the ball hard. Right now, I would say Lipsius is going to be on this 40-man roster next year, but I would fully expect him to be in Toledo throughout most of next season. Now, if injuries happen, having that as a depth option is certainly not a bad thing. Uh, he, he walked at a decent clip. The, the one thing he had going for him was he didn't chase. He didn't expand the zone. His chase rate was really, really solid in his short stint in the majors. But there is a, there is a lot of things that need to be tweaked and adjusted for him to be a mainstay at the major league level. And I think that next year, like you just put him on the 40 man last fall, right? Like after the season was done in 2022 was when he was finally put on the 40. So I'm not expecting them to just go, Oh, one year you didn't do well in 13 games. We're, we're quitting on you. I'm not expecting that. I'm not even saying I want that, but I, I think it might be a relatively short leash in 2024. I'm not sure how long they're going to keep him on the roster if this profile doesn't change at all. So Andre Lipsius, someone that, again, like I am am and was a huge fan of coming through the minors because of that eye and because of that ability to draw walks. Now we need to see that translate to the major league level. Like he could hit for no power and be a, a minus defender, right? But if he walked at a you know, like league leading clip. If he walked at like 12 or like 15% or something egregiously high, then like you live with it. This conversation is also very quickly starting to sound like Justin Henry Malloy. Is it not? Is it really a plus defender anywhere? We don't really know where he's going to play long-term defensively. JHM did hit for some power in AAA this year. Had a couple of months where he just completely snapped. But like there is still concerns about whether he has legitimate power at the major league level. There's a huge difference between those two uh, uh, levels of power, right? So Lipsius is going to have to really make either drawing walks his calling card or improve on the things we've already talked about. Okay, cool. So that's kind of where I stand on him. I uh, I think he probably makes it through the winter. We'll have uh, when we get post-World Series, or at least closer to the World Series, um, and we finish these deep dives, we'll have more of a conversation about like who is probably going to get off the 40-man, who's going to stay on the 40-man. We'll have one of those episodes. We do that every offseason as well. But, uh, you know, in terms of Lipsius, I think probably makes it through the winter. Not that not that if, you know, they went out and signed a bunch of players that he wouldn't be someone they'd take a look at removing to make room for those guys, but I think he probably makes it through. You have plenty of other guys you can get rid of first. Um, but 2024, I, I expect him to start the season and play a majority of next year again back in Toledo. That takes us to Nick Maton, who is wildly fascinating because Nick Maton does not have any minor league options left, which makes the conversation about what to do with him a lot more fascinating than Andre Lipsius, who has options still available to him. We will talk about Nick Maton right after I tell y'all about our friends over at Sleeper. The MLB playoffs are here, which means 
that this is your chance to 100 times your cash on Daily Fantasy Baseball. Baseball has never been more exciting than it is now. There's tons of stars all over the league. We are getting fantastic playoff baseball right now. Uh, and you can go and pick on one of these stars and choose stats like home runs, hits, strikeouts, and more, and pick more or less for these stars in their games. And you can get up to 100 times your payout on Sleeper. Get your picks right, and you could win big. Use promo code LOCKDOWN, and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Third and final segment of Locked On Tigers. I appreciate you all for tuning in, making us your first listen every single day. Let's talk about Nick Maton. Okay, Nick Maton acquired last year in the Gregory Soto deal. That trade was Gregory Soto and Cody Clemens for Nick Maton, Matt Veerling, and Donnie Sands. And Maton was the presumed third baseman of the season. Now, that was the presumption going into the year. Uh, we also said a lot on this show, at least, that Nick Maton, he's going to get the first opportunity, but I fully expect this team to have a revolving door and play five-plus third basemen uh, there throughout the year. Um, kind of surprised Justin Henry Malloy never got an opportunity. That's a conversation for a different day, but there was certainly a revolving door there. Right by the end of the year, we had Matt Veerling playing there. Uh, there was, I mean, Nevin got reps there. Zach Short got reps there. Jonathan Scope got reps there. Obviously, Mayton did. Uh, and and that's not even everybody. Uh, there, Andre Lipsius, who we just talked about, there was a lot of dudes that played third base for the Tigers this year. And the reason why was because Nick Mayton did not work out at all, which is super unfortunate. But let's talk about why it happened. Uh, it's not really a surprise to anybody if you've been listening to this show for any length of time, especially when Natan was in the majors. Um, let's start with his final line from last season. Man, he is negative 1.1 F4 on the year. The second worst on the team. Only player with a worse F4 was Eric Haas, who ended at negative 1.4. Uh, in 93 games, Mayton had a 173 average, a 288 OBP, and a 305 slug. That's a 67 WRC plus, so 33% worse than league average in creating runs. He had a 13% walk rate, which is like the one good thing he could hang his hat on, and then a 25% K rate. This is unfortunately very simple, and it's not news to anybody. I'm not reinventing the wheel or telling you something that you don't already know. This guy cannot hit non-fastballs. Uh, just going down all the different types of pitches he saw in 2023, the four-seamer, he had a 231 average and a 446 slug. That's not terrible, right? Is it great? No. But if he did that with all of the pitches he saw, if that was like his final line, we'd be having a much different conversation right now. But that was just against four-seam fastballs. Against sliders, he had 095 with a 167 slug. Against changeups, he had 091 with an 091 slug. Did not have a single extra base hit against a changeup all season. Curveball, 219 batting average, 375 slug. It's like, all things considered, not as bad as the rest of the non-fastballs. Now you have a sinker and a cutter, which are both variations of fastball. The sinker, 242, 
545 slug, the cutter 200 average, 250 slug, splitter 091-091, sweeper 083-083. So outside of the curveball, every single non-fastball, he hit not only in the 100s, he hit sub-100 against every single non-fastball. Again, sands the curveball, which he hit 219 against. And still had a 44% whiff rate against, which is the highest of any pitch he saw, and a 30, <clears throat> almost a 31% K rate, which is one of the highest against all pitches he saw as well. That was against the curveball specifically. So even the the one that he kind of could hit a little bit more, he was still swinging and missing at more than any other pitch. Just a complete inability to hit major league non fastballs. And at one point, it led to him not even being able to really hit fastballs. If we look at 2022. Okay, his four seam fastball he hit, and this is a a very small sample size. Okay, much smaller than his 2023, but he crushed four seam fastballs and still did not hit a lick against anything else. And this is something that we talked about on the episode when he got traded to the Tigers, right? And I was still excited about him because he drew walks. And he did show an ability to hit major league pitching. It was just only fastballs. We talked about the adjustments that he could make, et cetera. And that just never happened. And he tried to change his mechanics a lot throughout the season. He had the big open stance at the beginning of the year. By the end of the season, he got rid of that completely. He was almost in a closed stance. He was changing where his hands were loading. He was changing where his hands were setting pre-pitch. Like, he changed so many mechanics and tried so many different things and just could not consistently hit non-fastballs at the major league level. Now, when he got sent down the first time, he hit, had good numbers against him. Not against him. He had good numbers in AAA for him, right? He hit well. And as I, I tweeted out something along the lines, it was probably snobby and like not the nicest thing in the world, but it was something along the lines of like, I just don't care about his numbers in AAA. It was also like eight games or 12 games or something. So I was like, I just don't care about this. And I had a couple people reply and be like, well, like he hit well. And I was like, yeah, he hit well against minor league off speed. There has never been a doubt, really, that he couldn't hit minor league curveballs and sliders and changeups. He can't hit major league sliders and changeups. And it's 12 games. <laughs> I guess I couldn't have asked for any more, but like my point is when looking at the future of Nick Maton, I just don't care. Like if he goes into the minors as an 1,000 OPS, I just won't really care until he proves that he can do it against major league pitching. And that is a very easy transition into when is the next time he's going to get an opportunity to prove that he can hit those against major league pitching. Because he does not have any minor league options remaining. Which means that if the Tigers want to send him down to AAA next season at the start of the year, he's going to have to pass through waivers. Now, will he pass through waivers? I, 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 it's very far in the future. Okay. I, I'm not going to speculate. I guess if you tried right now, maybe you could do it. Um, but I'm sure there's some teams, uh, especially toward the bottom of the league that would probably like to take a chance on him. If you're Scott Harrison, you really want to make sure you keep Nick Maton, then 
there goes that possibility. But it's either that or you just cut ties with him now. Again, he has no options. (laughs) So he's going to have to go on waivers at some point. Are you going to remove him from the 40? You could try that. You could try removing him from the 40-man roster, assuming that no other team will offer him a major league contract after this season, which I think is pretty safe to say, and then try to get him back on a minor league deal. He comes into camp. He's not taking up a 40-man roster spot until you put him back on there, and you see what happens. But I guess my point is, we'll talk about more again, like strategy and and what to do with the current 40-man roster a little bit later in the offseason. But I guess my point is right now, I don't see any way that you can put Maton on your major league roster to start off 2024. Performance, contract, whatever you want to point to, none of it lines up to him being a major league baseball player in April or March, I guess, of 2024. And then we didn't even mention the fact that even with all of this, like struggles on offense, he was also, he really struggled defensively as well. He was in the second percentile in OAA. He had a negative 11 outs above average at third base. That's in the bottom 2% of the league. So I think that Harris, the odds of him completely cutting ties with Maton a year after the trade seems pretty slim to me. I think he wants to see it through. But I also think there is next to zero justification for this dude being on the 40-man roster come spring training of next year. When you know that he's going to have to get put on waivers anyway. Maybe he makes it through the winter and then they they do like what a lot of teams do, right? Right before opening day, a lot of players are put on waivers because of that. So maybe he's one of those guys that makes it through the winter, makes it through spring, and then is put on waivers right before opening day. But when the Tigers play a regular season baseball game again, I'm rather confident that Nick Maytown will not be on the 40-man roster, not only the Major League roster, on opening day of 2024. The one thing that he has going for him in the future is that he can draw walks, and he does have a good sense of what is a strike and what isn't the strike. The issue is when it's if you just throw him sliders in the strike zone, he's not hitting them. So that is clearly the adjustment he needs to make. That is clearly the next step if he wants to find his way back on this roster, on this 40-man roster, that is. And I hope that he can because I would love a dude that can walk like 12 or 13% of the time on my roster. That would be freaking awesome. But like when your OPS is in the 500s and you're a big time minus defender, unfortunately that 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 doesn't outweigh a high walk rate. So we'll see what happens with him throughout the winter. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every single day. I appreciate y'all for tuning in, making us your first listen every day. Shout out to the everydayers that do. We'll be back on Monday with a mailbag. Mailbag, mailbag, mailbag mailbag okay comment again you can dm me on twitter you can tweet at me just make sure you at me so i can see it you can comment on youtube those are i guess the three main ways that you can ask a question 
and we will go through as many as we can on Monday. And if that overflows into Tuesday's episode, then we'll do that as well. But y'all always ask really good questions, and we always get a good response on those. So uh, we will be back on Monday. Peace and love. Going to Therapy's Dope. I'll catch y'all then, baby. Go Tigers.